I said I would never use PowerPoint or I guess Google Slides, but oh uh, well, times are changing. Don't expect it next week, okay? Yeah. <laughs> and no, an old dog can learn new tricks too. Um, so our verse obviously up there. Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 4. And if you have a Bible, you can look that up. Or you can look on the screen. So there's no reason to be distracted. And by that way, if you have cell phones, just encourage you to turn them off unless you're taking notes, will you, which you will have to later take notes. And actually, before we get going, if you don't have a phone to take notes on or a piece of paper or a pen, could you get, there's some in the back, Caleb will pass them out. We're trying to work at Northgate at not only knowing truth, but practicing it. So Caleb, you really need to have a pen and piece of paper today. So if you don't have one, like a couple weeks ago, please get one. He'll pass them out or get your phone out to the notes section, but stay away from texting and emails. And of course, please do not go on Facebook or Insta Trash this morning. <laughs> uh, excellent. You all, every one of us needs something to write on or write on our phones because we want to practice together. Don't worry, you don't have to share it. Oh, maybe you will. Um, but that's only if you want to. Okay, so Colossians chapter 4. Before I read it, let's understand a little bit of the background. We're coming to the end of the book. It only has four chapters. We've been here for a couple months. We learned about the church in Colossae. Paul had never been there. He's writing to encourage them. They have a stellar reputation of their faith in Jesus Christ, but there's a little issue with false teachers teaching about legalism, teaching about uh, mysticism, but they are not including Jesus in what they are saying. So Paul, basically the book is about the preeminence of Christ which we learned in chapters 1 and 2. There's a prayer there in chapter 1 as well about how we can pray for one another, a poem about Jesus being preeminent uh, at the beginning of 2, knowing that we're holy without fault because of Jesus and his work as well. And then we found in chapter 3, he said, here's how it applies to our life. Very famous, famous chapter. So we learned in chapter 3, well, a couple months ago, to renew our mind in heavenly thinking, to set our mind on things above, then the teaching after that, these all available online, that we are to put on the new and take off the old. The old clothing, the comfort with sin has to go. We need to put on the new, which is tender mercies, kindness, humility, and meekness. We want to be like Jesus, because that's who lives in us couple weeks ago we talked about having the peace of God acting as umpire in our life so basically saying that we should be led by the Holy Spirit the conviction of the Spirit to right or wrong guiding us in all truth the Holy Spirit who lives within us and sometimes we're not able to hear the conviction of the Spirit remember because our lives are so full of sin so what do we have to do we have to confess and repent Amen? Really, really important. So in chapter 3, we learned that as we are following the Spirit according to the Word of God, which dwells in us richly, or the words of Christ, some of the things are submissions, wives submitting, husbands loving their wives, children obeying their parents, fathers not provoking their children, bond servants obeying their masters, masters treating their servants well, Basically, the Holy Spirit will live in you to convict you of these things if you're not on the right path. Amen? And if you don't sense any conviction, we need to start again. Confess, repent, and God will show us. So here we come to chapter 4. Paul's speaking practically as he finishes his letter. He says, continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Meanwhile praying also for us, that God would open to us a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in chains, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak.
Well, continue. First word in the Greek is persevere. Continually be persevering in prayer. Continue. Amen? Okay. So I was playing hockey Friday night. A good friend of mine said to me, prayer is the simplest thing, but why is it the hardest thing? I know it's effective, but why don't I do it? Good question. Right? We know that prayer is probably the most effective spiritual weapon we have. James 5.16 there at the bottom, the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man, I'll add woman as well, avails much. And we know James is talking about healing. He talks about confession in that little section in chapter 5 of his book. And he says prayer is effective. And who is righteous this morning? Jesus. And where does Jesus live? In us. So that makes you righteous. So your prayers can be effective. All you have to do is do it. Amen? We know this, right? I went uh, to Winnipeg for a conference, went to a prayer summit Sunday evening, 2,000 people praying Sunday morning, a message on prayer. I looked at Amy, I said, I've given this message five times, but I was still convicted in my heart when the pastor was encouraging his body to pray. I had the same conviction, even though I've taught this message many times, because it's not that we're not praying, it's that we need to persevere to continue. That's what Paul is saying to the church in Colossae. Keep going. They needed encouragement to continue. And Jesus knew this as well. And that's why in Luke 18, it says he spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose what? Heart. Because sometimes when we don't see answers, we want to give up. You ever felt like that? I think we've all felt like that. God, I'm praying my prayers are hitting the ceiling here. Is it worth it? And Jesus knew that we would encounter this, that his disciples would encounter this. So he encourages them with the parable, and you know that parable of the unrighteous judge, right? And how the widow came to him and wanted justice and begged and begged and begged and begged and asked and asked and asked and asked and finally he said, I'm going to give her justice because I'm tired of her coming. This is what God is saying to us. This is the way we need to continue. We need to persevere. But I want to encourage you. He's saying continue. And I think we as a body and you as an individual probably have spent much time in prayer. I'm not here to talk condemnation to you but encouragement to continue here at northgate we've had many prayer meetings we've had team 20 we've had days of fasting we have a prayer room i can remember praying probably with each one of you over and over and over and over again but here's god's word to us this morning it's not time to stop we need to continue and in your life Maybe you're persevering for something in prayer. And I just want to encourage you that God does hear you and he will answer. So Devin, if you can just turn the slide there. And we know that from 1 John 5.14, which says this. Now this is the confidence that we have in him. It's in God that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. This is what the Bible says. So we've jumped from James away from Paul, and now we're going to the apostle John there, and this is what his encouragement to us. We have this confidence, and what is God's will? Well, we basically know God's will. If you're praying for people to be saved this morning, if you're praying for redemption or reconciliation, if you're praying for provision for a need, not a want, we know that's God's will for you. And so we can have confidence that if we do pray, that God will hear us. Even though it seems he's not listening, he is. And sometimes we give up because we're discouraged. But Jesus, 
Paul, John, James are all telling us, let's keep going. Amen? Now, I started thinking about this, and my normal routine would be like a coach. Go get him. <laughs> rah, rah. Keep going. You can do it. Let's join the prayer team. Come on! Uh, I guess that's my athletic background. Um, that's how it is. So I was writing this out, and yesterday I went for a run. And I was, all these scriptures are going through my head. And I'm going to say, go get them, Northgate, let's pray. And that would last in your life probably a week. <laughs> then you might get discouraged and depressed and nothing's happening. And the rah-rah just goes. <laughs> Anyone felt like that before? You go to a sermon, oh, you're super pumped. Yeah, let's do it. Let's pray. Maybe if you're super strong-willed, you'll last a month or two. But then you get discouraged. <laughs> so as I was running yesterday and planning this in my head, I finished my last lap. I was about to go over, watch Buzz play hockey. And I felt the Lord say, keep going. I have something to tell you. I was like, I don't want to keep going. I'm very tired. <laughs> I don't like running. But I like being with you. I did keep going. I had earphones in. I shut them off. I put them in my pocket. And I did another lap. And as I began to run, it had really nothing to do with what I was going to say on prayer originally. But I just heard the Holy Spirit, again, whisper the confidence in my heart, I love you, Daniel. Now, most of us know that in our head, and we can say, yes, I know that. But it was something I needed to hear again, because I was saying to myself, I'm going to pray more. I'm going to get the people to pray more. God switched gears and said, I just want to let you know, I love you. I sent Jesus for you. You are forgiven. That last lap was amazing. <laughs> Felt like I was running on air. And I said, God, is that why you wanted me to run again? I knew that in my head. Started to penetrate in my heart again, which it needs to do continually. That's why I spend time with the Lord. But then I really felt the Lord brought to my attention Matthew 7, 7 through 12. And you'll know those verses, and you can look them up, but I'll just give you a little paraphrase now. It's that section that says, ask knock seek anyone know that one or in the greek keep knocking keep asking keep seeking because as you continue on you have a good father who wants to give you what good gifts good things to those his children who ask him now i had that scripture in my mind and I was going to say, keep going, keep knocking, keep seeking. You can do it. But you're missing something really important if it's all about you in that passage. You're missing the relational part where he says, I am a good father. So instead of me striving to get what I want, really prayer is me relationally being with a God, a father who loves me. And in that relationship, he gives me the things that are good according to his will. And because he's good, I keep asking, I keep knocking. And some of us have a wrong picture of God. That he doesn't want to give you anything until you do what you have to do. And prayer becomes a have to and not a get to. Because your father in your mind, your God, isn't good. He wants to be with you. Amen? And as you understand that, your desire to be with him and give him your desires and your pleas is much easier because it's like a relationship. It's not a Santa Claus list that I don't know Santa Claus. This is my dad. Dad, I need the keys to the car because I got a big date. So what's dad going to say? Maybe that was your dad. <laughs> but if your dad loves you, yeah, sure, son. Just be careful, right? Yeah, if we have a good father. Another thing, I have children. Lord, help my children. So I go to God and say, God, help my children. I want them to know you. 
You think my God in heaven doesn't want my children to walk with him? Isn't that his desire? So he's good. And I say, God, they're your children too. They're my children. I bring my desire to you. I desire that they would walk with you. I don't know when and how you're going to do that completely in their lives. But I trust that you're good and I'm going to give them to you because you're not out to get them. That's not your heart. Amen? So just throw away the car example because maybe you're thinking of your own children driving. But anyways... <laughs> that wasn't a good one. John 15, 7, abiding. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. I want you to note the abiding, out of the abiding comes the words of John, the words of the Holy Spirit through John, as you're with him and he's with you, and his thoughts and words are in you, you will ask what you desire again, and it shall be done for you. But if you will be with me, your good father, I'm not out to get you, I love you, that's what he's saying, you will ask, and I'm not a great father, but I still want to bless my kids, what about you parents? Sure you do, right? Don't you want to bless your kids? Amy doesn't like me to send me to the store with the kids because if they, oh, Dad, I want candy, I'm like, okay, I'll have one too. <laughs> Don't tell her I said that because I guess she doesn't know all the time. But rarely do I leave the store without a chocolate bar. One for you, one for me. <laughs> so bless you, bless me, right? Nathaniel and I went to Walmart. We left with quite a few muffins, chocolate milk. And I said to him, you better drink that fast so your siblings don't see that. That's what I always say, no matter who it is. And then I have to buy a lot of chocolate milks. But anyways, I love my kids. God loves you. And he wants to bless you. He wants to hear from you. And though it seems he's not answering, we don't know that, but as we abide in him, and what I see in that as, as we become dependent upon him and not independent, he works through us because our desires become one. Amen? Okay, we're trying to work on practice, so each of you has a piece of paper or a phone. So I'm going to give you now five minutes. You and God, don't talk to your neighbor. I want you to write on your list there one through five. And I want you to write five things that you personally are persevering in prayer for. They don't have to be in order from importance to non-importance. But I want you to think, what are five things that I am praying for each and every day, or as the Lord has you remember, that God would do in your life or for someone around you or a situation you're involved in but something you need encouragement to persevere in now can you do that for me now this takes a little time so we're going to take about three minutes don't look at your neighbors you can do it on your phone or a piece of paper why do i ask you to write it down there's something when you write it down that it becomes more real to you. So Gabriel, if you could try, maybe not. <laughs> or I'll whistle, no. Or we'll do complete silence. Maybe we can figure it out. I would have one speaker, maybe not. Uh, just take three minutes. And if you don't know, ask God and say, what do you want me in my life to be persevering in prayer for? Ready? Set? writing down five things that are God's will that you are praying for. There's no right or wrong answer, amen? 
I just want to take a minute, just pray for those. Just in your own head. Okay, now I'm going to ask you to do something. You don't have to share anything too personal, but if there's one thing on your list, if you can turn to the left or right of you and just share one thing you're praying for, and I'll give you two minutes to do that because I want you to verbalize it. If it's too personal, just you have five, right? So there's at least one you can say. But it's really good to share if it's a family member or a friend beside you. Don't be afraid. No one's going to judge you. And this is really good for us. This develops fellowship. Amen? Amen? All right, let's do it now. Turn. I'll give you a minute. Just find someone. All right, amen. We didn't want to do all five, though if you're a quick speaker, you could have done that. You want more time? All right, I'll give you another two minutes. Thank you. For brothers and sisters in the Lord, how great it is to share one another what we're praying for. Yeah, try not to get discussing what happened last week. This is just prayer requests. No theological conversations in this moment. Just prayer requests. All right, amen. I really am cutting you off now. Next slide. Here we go. Because we'll have more practice in a minute. So our verse in Colossians was continue. Um, Dev, oh, I'll just look it up. Our verse in Colossians, can you go back to that slide just quickly and then we'll jump to that. Okay, just continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant. And you might say, well, what in the world is that? Um, so being vigilant is simply this in the Greek. It is, if you can go to that vigilant slide there, is watching. So basically he's saying, watch and prayer. And I want to let you know prayer is not only speaking, but we're called to watch and listen as we communicate with God. Now sometimes we teach our children prayer is just our list, right, and speaking. But that's not, if you want to know prayer, if you look at the life of Jesus, I don't think when he spent the whole night with the Father in prayer, it was just like this scroll he brought up there and tick, 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 went through the list. It was relational and I think he was watching his disciples, what was going on, to know how to pray and what to pray for. So Paul is saying, continue, but be vigilant, watching and listening to the Holy Spirit as you pray. Now Mark 135, I just have that there, but you can turn there for homework. But the disciples were looking for Jesus one morning. He was gone. He was up praying they found him, and the first thing he says is, let's go to the towns and share the gospel and preach. You can look that up. So the connection is, as he was praying, God gave him instructions for the day. As he was watching, what are we to do today? It became clear to him what he was supposed to do. Luke 21, 36, Jesus said in regards to the end times, watch therefore and pray always. So as I see things, I know what to pray for. In my relationship, as I abide with God, as I see things, 
unable to pray. Now we know that God will speak through our prayer life to our spirit, through his word, or through little nudges. We know Paul in Acts 18, verse 9, he was in Corinth, and he was with the Lord, and he heard the Lord say to him, Speak, do not be silent, for I am with you. No one in this town is going to hurt you. I have many people here. So as he watched, and he listened, and as he was in Corinth, he knew what God would have for him and how to pray. When he was on the ship, later on in the book of Acts, heading to destruction, an angel of the Lord appeared to him while he was praying and said, none shall be lost on the ship. So then his prayer stopped probably from being, God save us, right? Because God said, everyone's going to be okay, to the next step that God would show him to how to pray. This isn't anything new in the Gospels, Matthew 26, 41, which I don't have up there, Jesus as well says, watch and pray lest you enter into, let's try again, watch and pray that lest you enter into temptation. So I'm alert and aware while I'm with Jesus, while I see my friends, my family, the people around me, and he will show through my observation and through the Holy Spirit what I should pray for. Sometimes I think our prayers could be more effective if we were watching, being vigilant, and listening, so we can join our will with the Holy Spirit. Now, this has happened, I think, probably many times in your life, but it's happened many times in my life. I remember trying to help someone who was in need. And I had all the answers for them. You ever had that before? Well, you should do this and this, and you should do that, right? And I'm like, don't do this and don't do that. So I'm like praying, telling God what to do. <laughs> you ever done that? Well, God, if you're going to help this person, well, like A, B, C, this is how you're to do it. And I remember God saying to me or whispering to my spirit, just walk with this individual. Well, this individual wasn't living in sin. I was just trying to figure out how to help them in life. But as I was praying for them and being vigilant, I had the sense in seeing their life and the Holy Spirit just said, just walk with them. Don't tell them what to do. Don't tell them what not to do. Just be beside them and journey with them. That prayer I came back to over and over and over again because when I was tempted to say, don't do that. God said, walk with them. And I've seen how that's bore fruit as I tried to be vigilant and watching in my prayer. And instead of telling God what to do, maybe observing and listening to what he says in his word and through his Holy Spirit. Does that make sense to you? It makes a lot of sense to me. And a lot of times we're praying our desire for people instead of maybe God's word and God's desire for people. Now, obviously, in some cases, it's clear what God would want. But I would encourage you, as you see things, then you pray for things. Ever seen anyone discouraged as you watch them? Maybe a child, a friend, and they're discouraged. Well, what should you pray for? God, would you encourage them as you see them, as you discern, as you live with them and know them, as you fellowship with them, you can watch them and say, God, I see there's discouragement. I see they need perseverance. I see they need to repent. God, would you please work in their life? And he might even share something else you don't even know. And there's times that people have come to me and said, oh, I need you to pray for this. And sometimes, oh, really? <laughs> That's funny because while I was praying for you, God put that thought in my mind. Has that ever happened to you before? It's interesting. I heard of a pastor once. He had someone on his staff just to pray, and as situations came, he went to this prayer warrior and said, oh, we're going through this. And she said, oh, the Lord already showed me. I was watching, and God spoke to me. But I was waiting for you to figure it out. <laughs> but now let's pray together. And I want to encourage you now to go back to your sheet. Okay, P pull out your sheet again, your five things. And this time we will not talk to our neighbor, so don't worry. But you're going to ask God, in these five situations, God, how do you want me to pray? Not how I think I should pray. Maybe God will put a verse in your mind for that situation. 
Maybe it's exactly what you wrote down. But don't you think we should watch and ask God through his word and to his spirit how we're to persevere in those situations? And it might be no different. I'm not, maybe you got it bang on. I'm just asking you to ask God through the Holy Spirit to how you should pray according to his word for these situations. Everyone understand? Let's have a little silence. And just ask God, I'm praying for this situation. God, how do you want me to pray? How do you want me to be vigilant in this prayer? If a thought comes to you, just write it down beside that. So you'll have direction and you won't forget. That's why sometimes we write things down. Holy Spirit, direct us and show us through your word, through your verses, through your speaking voice to our hearts, our thoughts, our mind, our heart. Next slide. Okay, we got a good father. We're persevering because he wants to be with us and hear from us. But he says very clearly in the verse, continue earnestly being vigilant with what? Thanksgiving. It's easy because prayer sometimes is when we're in trouble not to be thankful. You ever been there? Yeah, God help me. And we forget to be thankful, but I wanted to tell you, especially Philippians 4, 6, when there's something that's causing us to be anxious, God's word says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with what? With thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. So that's what we're doing. We're persevering. God, here's our request. You told me to tell you. We're being vigilant in it. But then he has this crazy statement, be thankful while you pray. Uh, I struggle with this sometimes. I'm praying for many situations because it's just my job. I hear about different things. And sometimes I'm not so thankful for them. I'm not like, oh, God, this is great. Broken people. Oh, how wonderful. But the Lord is showing me that he is sovereign and in control, and I need to praise him and give him thanks. And that is almost faith in presenting my request. That God, you have done so much. Amen? God, you are so good. I'm so thankful. And you're going to work. I love this in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 19. Rejoice always. 
pray without ceasing, connect those, by the way. I pray without ceasing, but I'm always rejoicing. In everything, give thanks. And here's the kicker. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. What is God's will in my life? Well, let me tell you, you should pray without ceasing, you should rejoice, and you should be thankful. Amen? So if you're a complainer, I can tell you, you're not living in the will of God. If I'm complaining, except to focus on myself, I'm not living in the will of God, right? Even in trial, James would say, give praise, take joy in trial, because God is developing perseverance. Amen? No matter how bad it is, he's still working, and he's going to turn bad to good in your life or those you're praying for. But first and most importantly, we serve a great God. Jesus loves us. God loves us. He saved us. He's forgiven us. And if you say, I have nothing to be thankful for, <laughs> life isn't just about this world. It's about eternity. And if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you're going there. You have a lot to be thankful for. And even in your darkest hour, pray without ceasing, rejoicing, giving thanks. Because if you don't, it says, you're going to quench the spirit. Mm. Mm. You ever been in the room with someone who's a big time complainer? Doesn't it quench the spirit of the room? I'm telling you, the Bible tells us it quenches the Holy Spirit when we're not thankful. That's why we enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. To be thankful to him and to bless his name. Does that mean I'm always happy? No, I'm not saying that makes me happy. Sometimes I'm praying where I'm crying and I'm very sad. Where I'm very discouraged. When I'm upset. When I'm angry. But it doesn't mean I shouldn't be thankful. And you can rejoice and be angry, believe it or not. Anger necessarily isn't bad. It says, be angry and do not sin. But when Jesus was whipping the tables in the temple around, we know that he had all fruit of the Spirit, and one of those being joy. Now, that's a hard thing to understand. But I believe joy is a deep-seated emotion, and happiness is... So we can rejoice and be thankful that God is working no matter the circumstance. And as you pray, it is so good to be thankful. And here in Colossians, it tells us, be vigilant, persevere, and be thankful. So you have your list. Oh, boy. <laughs> I want you to take, pause, think. Those five things, what can I be thankful for that I've seen God work already or that God is doing, maybe in my life separate from those things or even including those things, what can you be thankful for as you pray those five things? This is a really important discipline. Does everyone understand? We want a course to God in heaven because he hears everything we pray in our head of the north gate body giving thanks for all he's done now I'm going to encourage you thank what he's going to do little story before we go to our mental exercise we in living in New Jersey coming to Canada we made a list of 10 or 15 20 things we needed blah 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 write them down need insurance need somewhere to stay need some cash we don't have any <laughs> Whatever it was. Need friends. I remember all these things on the list. And I asked the kids, what do you want? A dog. <laughs> really? Okay, I'll put it on the list. I don't think Amy wanted a dog. Bad enough moving. Let's throw a puppy on top. <laughs> but as I was thinking about these things and praying for those things, because it was a difficult time, I remember being convicted to be thankful, we didn't have a lot of money, we were moving, we didn't have much, and God said, I want you to go get food for your family, come home from lunch from work, I was a teacher, go get some subs, so the kids were really young, put the list on the table, put the food out there, and the soda, 
And I said, we are celebrating what God's going to do on this list. None of them were things we necessarily wanted other than the dog. I think it's God's will that we have fellowship. So when we prayed for friends, we were praying for fellowship. Amen? So when we're praying for provision, it's because we had nothing. <laughs> and you have your list right there. Can you be thankful for what God's done and say, I want to give thanks for what you're going to do, God, in this situation. Do you have enough faith to say, I don't know when and I don't know how and that's none of my business, but I know you're sovereign and you're good and you're going to answer because you're my good father and I'm praying according to your will and I'm going to give you all praise. Amen. Is that our hearts this morning? Well, let's take time to think of maybe things you haven't thought of that actually God is doing with those things on your list. So let's take a couple minutes now. What can you be thankful in those things that God is doing? Okay, crazy, crazy, crazy. Now turn to someone beside you and tell them a couple things you're thankful for. It doesn't have to be your list. It could be your list. But this is an activity in giving God praise, verbalizing. There's power in your words. Turn to someone and tell them what you're thankful for. On your list or not your list. And go. Let's give God praise. We're not talking about football this afternoon. We're giving him praise. Let's turn that complaining into thanksgiving. We have a lot to be thankful for, amen? Before the last point, which take less than a minute, I'm not afraid to sing, though help me, please. Turn my mic down, Gabriel. I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I will enter his courts with...
bring my voice back. When we can verbalize thanksgiving, not only in our heads, but when you do it with your mouth, there's power. And if you have trouble saying it, but you're thinking it, I want to encourage you. There is power in confession of thanksgiving. And sometimes we think, I don't need to confess sin. I don't need to verbalize my thanksgiving. You don't understand the power of your voice of confession and thanksgiving. Amen? Okay, so the last point of the verse, and I don't want to spend too much time here, but obviously Paul is asking for prayer as well. He says, pray also for us that God would open doors to us, a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ. That is the gospel. And sometimes like me, you're like, oh, I get no chances ever to share the gospel. Sometimes I'm not looking. Sometimes I'm not praying. And sometimes we need to ask God, God, would you please open doors? God, would you present opportunity for me to present the mystery of the gospel to the people around me? And if there's people who aren't saved in your life that you know or you're looking for more opportunity, which we all should be, we need to pray. If Paul prayed, pray, I'm in jail here, by the way. And by the way, he was thankful and he was in jail. So you think your situation's bad? He was in jail and yet he said, be thankful. But here he's saying, open doors while I'm in this nasty place that I can share the mystery, the word, the mystery of Christ. So where are you now? It doesn't matter whether you're in jail or free, that we should continue to be praying for ourselves and each other. God, would you open doors? Don't you love that little picture? Because sometimes we talk to people, we're like, man, that door's closed. That ain't opening. No, we can't open it in our human strength. It doesn't matter how much we knock on that door. Sometimes God has to open the door. Amen? So in your life and my life, would you pray for me this week that God would open doors in my activities to share his word, his truth, and the mystery of Jesus Christ our Lord? That's the gospel that he came and loved us and died for us. I want you to be open and bold, but I want to take it a step further that you would ask, God, would you open doors for our fellowship? So we had a leadership meeting the other night, and we spent some time listening to God, and two people had the same verse, and it was this, you have not because you ask not. I have no opportunity to share my faith. Okay. Well, why don't we start asking? Uh, I don't know if I should share my faith. I'm not a bold person. All of us have the same command. Go and make disciples. You're not excluded. <laughs> Sorry. I'm not a bold person. I don't care what kind of person you are. Bold or not bold. Evangelist, not evangelist. We're all to do the work of an evangelist through our actions and through our words. Well, I'll save that for Pastor Dan. It's not even my gift. I do a lot better when I'm with my friend Paul. I'm not an evangelist, but that doesn't mean I'm not supposed to do the work of an evangelist. And sometimes my actions speak louder than my words, but I need to pray like Paul. If he asked for prayer and he was an apostle, do you think we should ask for prayer? God, would you open doors? Would you do crazy things to open doors in our community that we could speak the gospel of Jesus Christ to those around us, to our neighbors, to our classmates? to our teachers, to our co-workers. God, would you open those doors? Would you soften hearts? Would you provide a way for me to step in it? Isn't that a good prayer? Amen. That's a great prayer. Because that's what we're all called to do. All right, I'm going to change it up. That's it. Amen. Praise the Lord, right? I've heard a lot of sermons on prayer. We're trying to practice now. We're really going to practice before we take communion. Don't get all nervous. But instead of splitting up into our groups after communion this time, we're going to split up into groups. And honestly, I don't want your groups over four or five people. 
Do you hear me? I say this sometimes and I see a group of 15 people and I'm like, somebody's not listening. If you're more comfortable praying on your own, I understand there's absolutely no pressure here. If you don't want to pray out loud, you don't have to pray out loud. But maybe the person next to you will pray out loud. What will they pray for? They already know one thing on your list. Amen? Groups of four or five, we're going to take about seven to eight minutes. Make it quick. Don't talk about your weeks. <laughs> That's not time. That's the agape, okay? Don't talk about the crappy hockey game last night. We're not talking about that. Don't talk about the weather. Don't talk about anything. It's time to pray. Groups of four and five, let's go. And David, if you can come up and strum on your guitar, I would really appreciate that. Just by the way, we're still going to take communion after we're done. So if you don't want to pray with people, don't leave. If that's okay.